Welcome back to the Next Aid Station podcast. I am your host, Jake Kilgore. Today's topic, jumping right in to a crew. What is a crew? In the ultra running world, there is something unique and special about a crew. Like I mentioned in last week's podcast, inside of the ultra world, there are these very, very important aid stations. And the aid station mentality that we discuss a lot on this podcast is just exactly how to get to these aid stations in life, how they relate to our life, in dealing with some of the toughest moments in our life when we're down in the dumps, getting to the next aid station. I'm not trying to run all 100 miles all at one time. I'm gonna bite this thing off every five, every seven miles, get to that aid station, get some rest and move on. So today, we're gonna talk about a crew. In the ultra world, what is a crew? What does a crew do for you in an ultra marathon? And how does that relate to life? What kind of crew do we surround ourselves with? To me, my crew is my inner circle. It's that most trusted group of people that I can rely on. In that very moment of, of despair, of distress, of trust, I need to be able to trust my crew members. So in the ultra world, I'll break it down for all of you non-runners. In 100 miles, there are probably 10 to 15 uh, aid stations, and only a select amount of those aid stations even allow a crew to be there. So in my races, I love to have a crew of anywhere from two to five people. These, are, again, are my most trusted people, good friends of mine, good buddies of mine. Um, I've, got, I've got Liner and Tommy. I've got Mick. I got my wife, Bree, there. My sister's been there. I've got my daughter and her boyfriend, Henry, and Taylor there. So it's, it's, it's a small group, a very, very small group of people. Typically, um, they get in one van together or one vehicle together. It might be two vehicles. Um, you know, my parents have been a part of a crew before. And, and this crew, what they do for me is, is they make sure I have everything that I need at that aid station to then carry on the race. So in 100 miles, let's just say that there's roughly five aid stations where a crew is allowed to come visit their runner. So I'll sit down the night before, maybe two nights before the race. I'll sit down with my crew members, or typically you'll have like a, like a crew chief, someone who's over like kind of like he's like the direct report, direct manager over the, the, the crew team. In a lot of cases, um, for me, this would be Mick. He's like my right-hand man. He's the guy that knows. He's ran these races. He knows the trails. Most importantly, he knows me as a runner. So he knows me when it comes to my pace, my climbing ability or inability, where I'm weak or where I'm strong. He can see it in my face when I'm struggling. So he knows exactly what I need when he sees me. So Mick will kind of be in charge of the crew per se. So I'll sit down with Mick and, and these other guys, Liner, um, uh, Tommy, and, and what we'll do is, is we will sit down with the map and I will have mapped out weeks in advance how long it's going to take me to get from aid station one to aid station two. 
from two to three, from three to four, and so on. So each segment will break down the mileage, the vertical gain or descent. So I know roughly this segment, getting from aid station three to four, is gonna be approximately eight miles with 3,000 feet of climbing. That's gonna take me, oh, let's say maybe two and a half hours. Now, if that section is mile, you know, from mile 79 to mile 87, if it's those nine miles at the end of the race, middle of the night, then I know I need to tack on extra time for my crew to meet me there, right? Maybe it's gonna take me four hours to do that segment because I'm just completely wrecked at mile 80. So I'll sit down with my crew and give them rough instructions of this is when I'm gonna be at these at these time slots, at these aid stations. So the crew then has map instructions, GPS coordinates, and they know exactly where to be and roughly what time to be there. I'll give them a window of, hey, I'm gonna be at this aid station between 10 and 11 p.m. and this is what I'm gonna need, right? I'm gonna need gloves, gonna need a beanie, gonna need fresh batteries and a, and, and a headlamp. At that time of the night, at that mileage, um, I'm gonna probably eat some, some warm soup, some top ramen, some hot noodles, you know, whatever I want kind of at night depending on, on the temperature. So my crew is incredibly important to these races. I have, I have always had a crew um, support me in any of the 100 milers that I've been in. Um, distances shorter than that, 100K or 50 mile, I typically can, can, can knock those out with just the help of the aid stations, which are incredibly important, and the volunteers that are at these aid stations. But the crew... The crew is, is the big piece of the puzzle when it comes to 100 milers or, or longer. So that crew is going to be there on time. They're going to make sure that I have everything that I need to then finish the race and continue moving at a good pace. So in, in uh, the Bear 100 uh, a couple of years ago, ran a great race, one of my favorite races um, in Utah, it's, it's an incredible race, sells out every year, wait list, um, just a great, great race. It's been running, I think, for you know, 25, 30 years. So it's got a great following, incredible course. The, the aid stations are awesome, great food. The volunteers are phenomenal in that, in that race. And I had my crew meeting me, but I was running such a great race early on that I two out of the five aid stations where my crew is going to meet me, I actually beat my crew to the aid station. So one of them was, was dark. It was probably 11 PM near midnight or so. And I'm walking around, you know, nervously all around this campsite area looking for, for my crew. I've got my headlamp on. There's probably, you know, a hundred plus fans and friends and other crews there. And I'm searching everywhere for my crew and then out of nowhere, I can just see the truck pull in. These guys jump out. They got all my stuff. And within minutes, um, you know, they handed me all my warm clothes for the night, handed me my stuff. I had grabbed some food, and I just started walking on my way, literally just carrying all my, all my stuff. So uh, sometimes you run ahead of your crew. Sometimes they get lost. Um, most of these races are up in the mountains, tough locations to get to. Uh, single, you know, one-way dirt roads, or, or or what have you, and and so it's it can it can get pretty stressful. And one of the jobs that I really 
appreciate from my crew is that they try to de-escalate the situation, make sure I'm not stressed because that stress will just wear you down. It's, it's an energy suck. So in life, as, as the way that this relates in life and the way that I use this is whether it's in business and I've got my, my key executives, my key people, these, these, these people, these five, six people that are so close to me and so trusted, uh, I trust them with so much that happens inside the business, inside of what we do in the, in, inside of the organization, that they are my crew. They're my crew at One Solar, and they're, they're right there by my side all the time. And, and it's a tight circle. It's a tight-knit group that, that I can rely on. And it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes, we, you know, we're late or we miss an appointment or this or that happens, but it's how we recover from those things. So in the case of the Bear 100 where my crew was running late, you know what? They jumped out, they got me everything I needed, and I was on my way, and I, I finished a great race. It's probably to date my, my best 100-miler I've ever ran and I've ever completed, and, and I had put up a great time for, for me. And, and in life, and if it's in, in business, you know, you're going to have these mistakes and it's how you recover from them. And it's how the crew really rallies behind you and supports you in life. You know, my wife, my kids, you know, they're obviously my number one crew and they're there for me all the time. And the way that they pick me up and carry me to the next aid station, you know, my crew's always there. And in life, again, like just like in a race, your crew can't be there at every single aid station. Your family can't always be there, right? They have other obligations. They have things they have to do. They have, they have their own lives that they're leading. And so you've got to be able to pick yourself up or lean on other people from time to time. But at the end of the day, you have that inner circle, right? a spouse, your kids, maybe it's your parents, maybe it's your siblings. But to me, you know, going through what I went through, you know, in, in this past decade and, you know, really struggling with myself, self-esteem and, and, and business and things that you're struggling in, the constants of you had that inner circle for me, you know, it was my wife and my kids who were always there for me. You know, my siblings and my parents, of course, they were there. They love me. They support me. But really, when you tighten it down, that inner circle is everything. And, and that's the crew. Like, that is my crew in my life is, is my wife and my four children and, and the six of us. That's, that's a crew. And that's our crew. And I would hope that everybody can, can have that in their life and, and create that. If it's not there, how do you nurture that? How do you find the right relationships to truly be a crew? Um, develop that in all aspects of your life. Um, maybe you have a workout crew. You have a group of people that you work out with every day because the four of you are trying to accomplish certain things. Maybe it's in, in running or in athletics or, or weightlifting or aerobics, or yoga, whatever it is that you do, you have a crew that's tight, that... that you're trying to accomplish things together and you're trusted. And, you know, my good, my good friend Bill Shakespeare said, love all, trust a few, and do wrong to none. And that's something that I've used a lot in that, like, love everyone, but I'm going to trust few. 
because not everybody can be trusted, but we can love everyone. And so when, when we create this crew, it's, a, it's this inner circle of trusted people that are going to be the closest to you. And they're going to help you through these dark times. They're not going to, you know, look at you, judge you in a certain way. And, and that's really the most important thing that, that we can get out of this is that inside of our life's crew, I hope that we can, we can do that. And for me, the Bear 100 and, and having the crew support me the way they did, um, same thing in the Wasatch 100. I've got a big race coming up in, in June this year over Father's Day, the Tahoe 200. And I've, I've already started mapping out exactly what that's going to look like and how the crew is going to be able to support me for three days. And, and that's going to be, you know, I'm asking a lot of these people and, and they're going to be right there for me and we're going to do it together. And I would hope that we can relate that to life and making sure that, hey, when we got something big coming up, it might be a surprise. It might come as a surprise or it might be planned. And we have that inner circle of crew of people that can support us and be there and love us no matter what. And again, the most important thing there is, is the trust that you have in, the, in that few small inner circle people. As a race director of the DC Peaks 50, we have six aid stations and only two of them allow crew. The reason for that is aid station one is at, you know, 10, nine, 9,000 feet. And there really is no way for crews of people, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 vehicles to get up the canyon and all the way to the peak near Francis Peak. So crew is not, are not allowed at that first aid station. Again, you're still in the canyon at aid station two up Farmington Canyon. Crew is not allowed there. Aid station three, Bountiful Peak. Crew is not allowed there. So the first time in this 50 miler that has about 11,000 feet of vertical gain, it's a tough, tough 50 miler. Crew is not allowed until mile 30, give or take, about 25, 30. So you're halfway through the race. Um, you know, you're about 50 K into the race, about mile 30, where you can finally have your crew come visit you at the bottom of, you know, this, this, what we call zigzag trail in Centerville. But that's the first time your crew can see you. And then they can see you at the very next aid station five up Mueller park Canyon. And then aid station six, there's no crew access at all. It's up on the trail. You got to hike into it. We had to pack all the aid station stuff on, on four wheelers and side by sides up the trail. So aid station six, there's just no way fans can even be there. So in six aid stations across 50 miles, crew is only allowed at four and five. And that's pretty typical in a 50 miler or, or in a hundred K, um, you might only have two, three or four aid stations where you'll see your crew and you'll have drop bags where you can grab all your stuff. So, you know, that's, it's just, again, the similarity or the, the comparison that we make to these crews, like these aid stations where crews are allowed to be there to be your support in life, your crew is only going to be able to be there some of those times. And they're going to be there for you because they're your people. And that's who you rely on in that trusted circle. But man, for 70% of that race or for the large majority of life, it's up to you. 
and you're, it's going to be you, your pack, your poles, and your shoes getting you to the next aid station. So you've got to dig within and dig deep to get to the next aid station in life. And that's what this podcast is all about, creating the next aid station mentality, truly understanding it as it relates to the ultra world. And we're going to have a lot of a lot of different guests on and explaining different things in the ultra marathon world and how it relates to life and why all these people are, are, you know, the ultra the ultra running community is growing quickly. And we've been called all kinds of things from from crazy lunatics to to, you know, out of control to whatever. But at the end of the day, like ultra runners do what they do because of the life lessons learned because of the things that we draw from the ultra community and apply it into our families, into our lives, into our businesses. And that's ultimately what the next aid station mentality is. Again, love all, trust a few, and do wrong to none. As my wife says, kill them with kindness. I am Jake Kilgore, your host of the next aid station.